the free for all roundtable round two on round two today let's say good morning to robert benzi queens park bureau chief for the toronto star mark mendelson is here former homicide detective now news talk 1010's crime specialist uh robert benzi i want to play that audio again because uh it's just too delicious to listen to doug ford when his voice goes up and he's clearly annoyed and it seems that the temporary leader of the liberal party kind of flew up his nose in the house yesterday i i love that he uses previous premiers had to inquire i gotta remind him he was part of the most politically corrupt government this province has ever All right, I think that reaches the definition of unparliamentary, Robert Benzi. Yeah, Speaker uh, Ted Arnott sanctioned uh, the Premier and he immediately withdrew the comment. But, I mean, that story uh, Rob Ferguson and I wrote for the Star is the third most read in our paper today, John. I'm just looking at the data right now. And it tells me that people are really interested in this this issue and the Premier's decision not to testify at the public inquiry into the Emergencies Act. Remember, he supported the Emergencies Act when Prime Minister Trudeau invoked it. He's the only Premier that did. And he had his own emergencies legislation here in Ontario. Uh, a week earlier. But um, uh, for reasons that I really don't quite understand, he is refusing to testify. Uh, his uh, aides don't think it's a good idea. They're worried about the precedent that it sets. Um, but I think, and, and maybe yesterday's uh, anger shows why they don't want him on the stage or on the on the stand. It's not a stand technically, but you know, they don't want yeah. him testifying because uh, he might say something and, and, and if, if a, a lawyer gets under his skin. But I think the p- political optics of this are terrible and it's already hurt the premier uh, politically by not appearing. It's just, it's not been good for his brand of, you know, plain speaking, common sense. It's, it's, I, I, I think they've been too clever by half and I don't know how they undo the damage. And we can't be mind readers, but Mark Mendelson, I kind of guess if the premier's somewhat heightened reaction in the house yesterday also betrays the fact that there's some tension behind the scenes over whether he should or should not, maybe he wants to, and they keep telling him, no, I don't know. Well, I mean, if his reaction yesterday is any indication of how he's going to handle any form of cross-examination at this inquiry, you can be sure that there's lawyers who are just wringing their hands to get to, to get a piece of him. Uh, listen, you know, should he testify? I think absolutely. He keeps saying, hey, it's not me, not my problem, not my government, it's, it's federal. But let's remind him that Ottawa is in Ontario, the Windsor Bridge was, is in Ontario, and the potentials for demonstrations in Toronto are also in Ontario. If he has no information, if he has nothing to say and nothing to add, then get in the box and say that. But Robert's right. The optics are terrible because by him sort of going out and and actively trying to quash these subpoenas, I mean, the the optics are saying maybe he's got something to hide. And if, if he doesn't, then just go and do it like everybody else is doing. And Robert Benzi, back to you now on the fact that yesterday, apparently we were able to confirm that the province is in the black. And uh, for me, I, I don't think every every means of modeling government finances on the, a household idea works. But for me, the way some people are reacting to the fact that they're in the black would be if you got to the end of the year and found out you had a few extra thousand and decided to blow it on sushi while you still have a mortgage. Well, exactly. And this is the thing is, I mean, it's, this is about accounting, John, and the uh, Financial Accountability Office yesterday issued their pre-fall um, f- uh, economic statement uh, 
outlook. I guess it's not really an outlook; it's a look back, uh, and says that uh, Ontario is uh, is is in surplus for the first time since 2017, um, when Charles Souza, the Liberals, uh, were in power under Kathleen Wynne, and Charles Souza was the treasurer. So this is good news for Peter Bethlenvalvi. It shows that the government's getting lots of tax revenue. It's mostly because of inflation and 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 the fact that the dirty little secret about inflation is it's good for governments sometimes because they get more money uh, uh, coming in. However, their borrowing costs are going to go up because interest rates are going up. So there's a it's a it's a delicate balance. And Peter Bethlenvalvi, the finance minister, said yesterday, "Look, we're we've got a lot of challenges ahead." So they're not saying let's start blowing this surplus. He's going to uh, unveil his fall economic statement next month, and we'll have a better handle on what the uh, on what the books actually look like because the Financial Accountability Office has has not always been uh as uh as maybe as prescient as as we in the media <laughs> like to think um they they for example didn't see this 40 billion dollar contingency fund and they did a pre-budget report a few months ago so uh, i think there's uh there's a lot of uh, a lot of a lot more that we we're going to learn in the days and weeks ahead okay i want to take advantage mark mendelson of you being on the panel this morning and being a former homicide detective we were talking with investigative reporter from the star uh, kevin donovan about the Barry and Honey Sherman case this morning, and he says the police are now reaching out to five different countries, in five different countries, to try and get new information. But there's only one detective now working the case. And I just wonder, as a homicide detective, what it is like to be working on a case where everything seems to have dried up, but you can't stop. Yeah, and that's uh, that's probably the most frustrating thing for any homicide detective, when you run out of people to interview, when you run out of forensic evidence that you're waiting to get responses back from. Uh, you know, so when I hear that they're going out to other countries, what that's telling me as an investigator is that they're probably getting more results from production orders. In other words, cell phone records, banking records, things of that nature, where, you know, phone numbers have been dialed, uh, you know, email addresses have been accessed, uh, you know, by somebody within the investigation, and, and they're not in this country or on this continent. So now you've got to reach out to these other other uh, police services to, to conduct those interviews or make those inquiries. Not At the end of the day, let's face it, this thing is not really moving forward at all, John. Um, you know, you've got one detective constable who has who's been running the show admirably, testifying in court for these, uh, for these hearings that the star and Kevin Donovan have been involved with, and he's answered everything and he's doing his job. But really, at the end of the day, there are, you run out of people to interview, you run out of evidence to look at, and you hit that proverbial wall. And yeah, as an investigator, it's horribly frustrating, but the evidence has to dictate the course of the investigation. And if you hit that wall, you hit the wall. So uh, the House of Commons yesterday unanimously, I might add, agreeing to a motion to recognize what happened at residential schools as genocide. And as you may have heard in the clip we played just a few minutes ago, Pamela Palmiter, who is an Indigenous activist and also a lawyer, was mapping out what defines genocide. And she said there are five aspects and what Canada did to uh, Indigenous people actually touches all five of those. So Robert Benzie, um, you know, I don't know where to take the discussion, actually, because earlier this morning, Deb and I were saying that we kind of felt as horrible as all the things that were done to Indigenous peoples were, you couldn't necessarily compare it to the Holocaust. But Pamela says, by definition, it's genocide. Yeah, Dr. Palmenter is right. It, the, by the UN definition of a genocide, this is a genocide. It's the, like the Uyghurs in China uh, are happening right now. I mean, genocides don't go away. And of course, the word genocide 
only emerged after World War II. It was only a word, uh, I learned this on the Ken Burns documentary, uh, documentary on the Holocaust, that it was only first used in the, in the mid-1940s uh, when they were doing the Nuremberg trials um, because the word didn't exist before that. And now we, we know what happened before that word existed was, was in fact a, a genocide uh, against indigenous peoples in this country. And, and, and I think my issue with this, it's not an issue per se, is I just worry that by Parliament doing this, they feel they've, they, can, they can say, yeah, we've apologized, we've acknowledged this, and we can move forward without thinking about the issues that are facing um, uh, Indigenous peoples right now. Uh, there's no drinking water in, in, in many of these uh, reserves. This is, that's a disgrace in a first world country like Canada, that, that we have people who live here and don't have clean water. I mean, I don't know how, if I were the Prime Minister or a Premier or uh, a Mayor of a, a jurisdiction, I don't know how I could live with myself knowing that that was happening. Yeah, Mark Mendelson, I should have asked Pamela Palminter what her core reaction was to this motion, because probably a lot of Indigenous people would say, yeah, thanks for the paperwork. Yeah, I, I agree with everything that Robert just said, but I'm going to add one more thing on top of that. We've, we've all agreed now, okay? We'll call it genocide. Now it has a name. That's all fine and dandy, okay? They're using the UN definition as opposed to, say, the Canadian Criminal Code definition, but the tragedy is, is the tragedy, nonetheless, no matter what you call it. So what what are we doing about it? I mean, we've got people who are walking around all over this country with ground-penetrating radar coming up and saying, we have found 200 bodies here, 150 here, 300 there, all involving um, these residential schools. What investigations is are, are the government involved in to determine what happened to these kids? How did they die? Have they been identified? Don't their families deserve to have some answers and be reunited? But just by saying, yeah, okay, everybody's happy with the name, let's move on, doesn't satisfy that that entire community. They deserve the answers, and nothing's being done in terms of getting those answers as to what happened, where's the money, who was responsible, and forget about criminal responsibility, who was morally responsible. Let's get the answers to that. And that just seems to go off to the wayside. Um, Mark, I'll start with you on this next topic, and that would be that as city councils all over the province get back to work, there's a growing call that in Brampton at the very least, and maybe Mississauga, they need to be stricter about the rules of when people can set off fireworks, and particularly on Diwali, because when we observed Diwali this past week, people were still firing things off at four in the morning. Now, in some quarters, people are saying it's racist just to talk about this, um, but I don't remember anybody setting off fireworks at four in the morning on Canada Day, and when they did set off fireworks and use them as a weapon, they got punished. Exactly. And what we saw in Brampton also, there was a huge melee through some Indo-Canadian uh, you know, or, or Indian politic uh, discussions. Three, four hundred people were out there and they were letting off fireworks, making a mess and fighting and what have you. So is, is, it, a, is it a bylaw issue for Peel Regional? Should the bylaw officers be going out there ticketing these people? Do you want to use the resources of Peel Regional? I mean, they got hundreds of complaints from people, uh, you know, who couldn't put their kids to bed and dogs were freaking out. And I get all that. I understand all that. You know, but where do you draw a line? How much enforcement do you want? You want to send cops to every backyard where they're shooting off these fireworks that are going more than three meters in height? You know, it's about education. It's about getting the message out to the community. Look, next to Wally, here are the rules, and we got to follow them, folks. And some of that responsibility falls on the community to get that message out and to, and to make people responsible for their own actions. It doesn't just fall on bylaw officers 
or the police. Guys, we've got to call it there because we're at a racetrack, but my thanks to both of you. Good discussion. Robert Benzie from The Star, Mark Mendelson, our crime specialist here at uh, News Talk 1010 and CTV. Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.